Hey, welcome to the Talk of Mindset with Murph podcast. I'm D-Mac. I'm alongside our CEO, Brian Murphy. And today we have a special episode. We got a special guest and I'm fired up to introduce him to you this morning. His name, Josh Lifrak. He spent the last 17 years working with elite athletes and corporate leaders uh, on their mindset. He's currently the Major League Mental Performance Coach for the New York Mets. Previous to that, he served for five years as the Director of Mental Skills for the Chicago Cubs from 2014 to 2019. So yes, that means he was there when they won their first world championship in over 108 years, which is pretty sick. Uh, he's currently the president of Lift Up Consulting, which is a firm dedicated to helping individuals and companies fulfill their greatness, which we all know the importance of that. In addition to all that, stud human. He's also worked with major league players, NBA and NFL draft picks, the U.S. soccer, U-17 men's national team, many college programs, including, I know there's a lot of Florida State alum out there, Florida State football and basketball, also USC football and five-time NCAA champion men's tennis team at UCA, or excuse me, USC as well. Lifrak, good morning, brother. Where are you at? Welcome to the virtual podcast studio here at ReliQuest. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome, Murph D. Mac. Thanks for thanks for having me on and, and jumping into this conversation with me. I'm uh, I'm currently in Queens, New York, as you would be when you work for the Mets. Love that. Thanks for, uh, again, it's the beauty of having a virtual podcast studio. So thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. And I just want to jump right in, man. Let's just jump into it. And uh, why is why is attitude, why is mindset so crucial to performance? Shed some light on that. Yes. Yeah, so you, I think, you know, one of the things we always talk about is that the, your mind is constantly going, right? It's, it's, I'm sure you've shared this stat before, but you're going to have between 16, 80,000 thoughts a day. They're just going to bang, bang, bang. They're going to be keep coming into your brain all, all the time. And out of those 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, typically between 80 and 90% of them are negative. And the reason that they're negative is because when our DNA was laid down way back in the caveman days, it, there wasn't the modern conveniences that you have today. It was a situation where it was you, you had to survive. So your brain was there specifically to keep you alive. That, that was the whole thing. Like everything was made to, hey, sustain, sustain life and sustain comfortability. And so that leads to a negative mindset. Like you're going to be on guard. You want to be your hands up. You want to be, you know, safe. Um, and so in order to do that, typically the mind's going to lean towards the negative so you can prepare for whatever disaster or uh, trouble you might be leading into. So what we find in performance is that, yeah, negative mindset works negatively. It works all the time. It works negatively, right? So you want to make sure that you're adjusting from that, turning from that. If you want to perform at a very high level, that's not going to get you there. This, this negative thinking, this, this being protected, right? Being protective only keeps you safe. Having a, a different mindset, a mindset of like, what can I do in this situation? How can I make this situation better? How, you know, what's good about this situation? Those types of things, that's going to propel you into a higher performance. So that, that's why I think it's so, it's so crucial to attend to it. Because if yeah. we leave it at our default, right? If you leave it at default, what are you going to be? You're going to be typically negative. Yeah. No, so I love what you said there about leaving it to default. And so are you saying, really, how can we be more intentional in training our mindset, right? So are you suggesting that to not be negative means to always be positive? Or, or what are you suggesting there? 
No, absolutely not. Right. Because I think there's going to be times where the situation is really bad and it's really difficult. Um, um, you know, I think about the corporate world where, you know, if you're if you're out there and you're in a sales force and here I am trying to make a quota or a certain amount of, of you know, um, sales a, a month or whatever it might be, and I'm falling short of that. I'm not going to sit there and be like super positive about it, right? Like you're not going to be like, "Yeah, we missed our mark by you know five million dollars." Woohoo! Like that, that's not going to happen, right? That that that's not realistic. But what we're, what is realistic is going into a situation of you know why did we not reach that and what can we do about it moving forward? Not an excuse based orientation, but like an honest based orientation of like, okay, what what happened there? What didn't go well? And we look at the game of baseball all the time, and and you know like every team is going to have at least 60 to 70 losses. Like that's pretty typical in the, in the world of sports, every, you know, the, the, the hitters, right. They're going to go, you know, two two seventies, a great average now. Right. That's like, you know, eight, a little bit less than eight times they're failing. Right. And so you're going to have that negative aura around you, but it's not about if you buy into that, it's about if you look at, Hey, what can I do to make that better? Am I following my process? Yes, no, and trying to get into those kind of answers where it's pretty clean and clear. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I, and and obviously you and I coming from the world of baseball, you know, we get we get what it's like to be able to pick yourself up, focus on your process when you play in a, a sport that's based largely on failure. You know, and and I always talk about. I mean, that's the importance of focusing on the process versus the outcome, because generally we know we can't control the outcome. Like the other right. day, just in talking with one of our, our teammates here at ReliaQuest, we were talking about a presentation. And going into the presentation, this individual was nervous. Well, the individual was, didn't have a high love, level of confidence because they were focused on making the sale. And if you focus yeah. on making the sale, you know, you can't control that. You can't control someone else's mind. You can't control whether or not they're going to say yes or no. And because you know, you can't control that in deep in your subconscious, there's this little plant in the seed of doubt. And that doubt's going to cut your confidence versus what you can do is focus on preparing for that presentation, focusing on hitting all your points, focusing on great body language and crushing it. Because you know you can do that. Yeah. You can control this thing. You can control how you prepare. You can control, you know, the specific cues that you put in your presentation so you can hit all your reminders. And if you focus on that, dominate that, then whatever happens, happens. But you can walk away from that feeling really good about it. And so I'm totally with you. And, and that's, for me, where a neutral or positive mindset comes from is focusing on the process because those are the things we can control. And when we know we're in yeah. control of that, then that gives us the confidence to perform. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I was kind of curious, like Murph, like what, what, how does that play out for you? Like, you know, that's a you're in a you're in a unique role, and I apologize if I'm dragging you into this, but I'm just kind of no, I love it. Yeah, your, no, I your, love your it. side of things uh, on this. I love it, man. I love being here with you guys. I, I get caught listening. I'm uh, gonna take some <laughs> notes. Um, look, I'd say you know, and it's the question I have back to both of you. I think those moments matter, right? Those big moments, the presentation, the pitch, the but I think those are defined by the day to day for me. Right. And so day to day, there are challenges that come at me in my role. I'm fortunate enough that I see a multitude of things every day. Things don't make it to me unless it's a problem. Right. I don't I, I tell people anymore that I don't get to see the good stuff. Right. I don't I don't hear about that. I hear about the good stuff after it happens. A lot of it's my personality. 
Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big uh, weakness of mine is not celebrating the wins. Um, and so when things get to me, it's a, it's a really complicated thing that we have to solve. And generally it's not a single decision and that's going to take, you know, it could take weeks, it could take months. Um, so these are these big, long things that we have to solve. And so what I look at is early in my career, I got really good at the day to day, understanding that I had to execute day in and day out for whatever the company required of me. And so if I was a sales rep, I had to day to day, how do I go out and make sure that I make every call the right way, that I'm disciplined to get my activity in, that if I commit to a number that I hit it or you know, I started my career in a technology role and a technology consulting role. How do I create, you know, cre treat each customer the same way and understand that that's the client and I can't have an off day in front of the client. And so that, that controlling those controllables helped me get to those things today where these big issues, I understand that I got to compartmentalize that issue, but I still have eight other things I need to do today. And I've got to be in that moment and on, and I've just got to let that other thing run in the back of my head, even though it could be, could be gut wrenching. Right. Um, and so I'd say, mm -hmm. how do you work with people? And cause I have to imagine the, the, you know, you're not teaching anybody how to be a catcher or teaching anybody how to be a hitter or teaching anybody how to run a base. There's fundamentals we need to be reminded of, but how do you get them through the day to day consistency that I'm going to come in today somebody's going to hit this at me. I'm going to take this many pitches. I'm going to be in this many sessions. How do you get neutral in that mindset of knowing that it's that, that mindset, it's the journey, not the destination. Right. Cause to me, I think that's the grind, right? Like if you get really good at the grind, then you can focus on that day to day aspect of, you know, I'm building to the outcome. I'm not going to get that outcome today. Josh, I'm going to let you take that. Cause you're the specialist. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to, I want to hear what you had to say about this too, DMAC. But, sure. you know, for, for most of the time that I've been in baseball, the guys that have really, really great um, routines, you'll hear this word all the time, but a really good process of getting ready to be ready. I remember talking to Ryan Sandberg and I said, hey, what is, uh, you know, Hall of Fame second baseman for the Cubs? And he used to say, I asked him, you know, what's mental, what's mental conditioning? What's mental skills for you? What does that mean to you when you hear that? And he goes, get ready to be ready. And I thought that was awesome because that's that's what they do. That's what players do. They you know they come in, they have their cage work, they have this work, they have you know the T work, they do some video stuff, and it's like very 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 structured and very similar on a day to day basis for those that I've seen that excel in the sport. For the guys that are maybe talented but aren't as um, accomplished, their routine is a little bit you know it's the kind of trying to still struggle and figure out what the routine is. Uh, and maybe they're a little bit more reactive versus responsive. And so that that's one of the big things that I see is that the guys that are um, the best of the best and they, they do do what we just talked about, have a great routine and have some good structure to their day, they're able to respond to adversity versus react to it. And what I mean by that is they, they have a plan when the crap hits the fan. You know, Darren and I had the opportunity to spend some time with Kenny Revisa before he passed away, right? That was his whole, his whole thing is, what are you going to do when the crap hits the fan? Because it's going to. And yeah. so having a plan for that. And that's both personal and professional, right? And I'd love to see or hear for both yes. of you, how have you seen that routine impact? I mean, we know it's impacted, but take COVID. How, how did they 
get ready to be ready. How did you see that shift happen? You know, or, or I'm sure people struggle with it, but I, I think people forget that these individuals are human beings with families and loved ones and, you know, good days and bad days and flat tires and accidents and all of those things. Yeah, T-Mac, why don't you take that one? Because you yeah, were like no. boots on the ground last year. I was, I got the opportunity to work remote last year, so. Yeah, well, I, obviously it was a struggle early on trying to find uh, what that new routine is going to be based on the COVID protocols. Uh, you, you can only be in the cage a certain amount of time. Or you can only be in the training room a certain amount of time. So that was a real struggle just because the importance of routines. So one of the things that we, one of the things that we talked about was regardless of whether you get your routine or not, seven o'clock, the first pitch is going to be thrown. That's first and foremost. So regardless of, of whatever happens. So, uh, I'd take guys through this exercise, like, Hey, have you ever gone through your routine and nailed it and then went out and had a great game? They're like, of course. Okay. Have you ever went through your great routine and then went out and had a, a terrible game? They're like, well, yeah. Okay. Then have you ever went through a terrible routine and then had a great game? They're like, yeah, not very. Really. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. All right. Then have you ever had a terrible routine and then a terrible game? And they're like, yeah. And I said, okay. So first and foremost, the routine matters if you think it matters. So that's first and foremost, like, let's understand that. Because again, I just wanted to create some distance from because some guys get so hung up on, hey, I got to get this routine. in. if I don't get this routine in, I'm done. Now, obviously, we know the value of routines, we know that executing uh, a, a specific consistent routine daily sets you up and gives you the best opportunity for success. It doesn't guarantee success, nor does it guarantee failure, but it does increase the opportunity. So that being said, I wanted to create some distance early on. And then the second thing, it was just uh, helping them not cling to their past routines because they couldn't do them. They're going to have to shorten them. The The amount of time that we were at the field was shorter than it, than it was originally. So it's like, hey, stop clinging to what you've done in the past. Like, shoot, you're 30 now. You were 29 then. Like, you're a different human. You're a different person. Like, let's just find something that's going to work for today. And then, and then the more you do it, more it's going to uh, ingrain in your in your conscious and your subconscious. You're going to believe in it, and then you're going to be able to go out and execute. And so, uh, for me, early on, that was a big part of it. Was again being able to separate those two things, but still help them understand, like, hey, you do need a routine. And I would, I mean, 100 with with Lifrack on this one. Most consistent competitors, the best competitors, have very structured, rigid routines that they commit to. That uh, gives them a sense of control over their day. It allows them to. Be able to create bandwidth so they can deal with the crap that comes up when adversity hits you know because they know they've uh executed their routine um leading up to game time and so that is what we saw last year you know in regards to still executing routines but understanding like here's the deal you got to execute seven o'clock i remember talking with a professional golfer at one point and i said hey man when you're on the when you're in the driving range and you're on you know and it's, it's 7 a.m and, and your swing feels terrible hitting balls all over the place you know hitting balls all over the place for a pro and myself would be completely different side note but i was like you're not you know your swing's not locked in and i said what do you do like what do you do when when the tea time is is 8 a.m and you can't get it locked in what do you do and he looked at me with like this this look of like i was the idiot and he goes what do you mean what do i do what choice do i have i tee off at eight <laughs> and I was like, valid. Yeah, he's so, said, yeah, I tee off at eight, so I just go, I go hit it. And so I think there's a lot of value in that understanding that uh, routines give you the best opportunity for success. We always want to maximize, uh, increase the odds of, of us having success. But if you 
cling to it as the only way that you can have success, then all of a sudden it becomes a superstition and then it becomes a situation where the the tail wags the dog and not the dog wags the tail type thing. I don't know. Lift Rack, what do you got on that? Well, well, the one thing that I was going to say too to add to this is that the routines have to have a, a really distinct purpose, right? Like, so you can't just, just have a routine to have a routine. Like if, if okay, so maybe I'm going to do the heavy bat. Well, you know, that's a, that's a thing in baseball. Sorry, you guys use a bat that's like really weighted. Why? You know, that's what I want to know is like, why are you using that? And, and for some guys, it's like, so I can get my hands, you know, started quicker or, you know, it makes me, forces me to stay back or whatever it might be. There has to be an absolute reason for the little things that you're doing. So one of the questions that, that I keep kept thinking about when Darren was talking about, you know, how COVID impacted the routines is, okay, well, what's the most important thing for you? Like what are the most crucial elements of you being a high performer in this particular situation? Is it, you know, being able to, um, you know, come in on balls that are, you know, whatever, or is it being able to, you know, throw deep from in the hole? Okay, let's make sure the routine addresses those particular aspects. Is it hitting the opposite way? Okay, if that's the big thing, is it hitting for power? Good, let's make sure the routine hits on those pieces um, because you don't have time for everything else. So let's make sure that the, it's a, it's the big rocks thing. You guys know the big rocks thing. I think we were talking, were we talking about this before Darren about, you know, the, 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 the theory of the big rocks or whatever you heard this Murph about Go like, the professor, you know, it's like, I don't know. There was like a YouTube video of his professor. He comes into a class and he's got, you know, this glass jar. I think there's, I think it might be a Stephen Covey thing too. You know the, the the eight habits of highly successful oh, people, have, but like I actually, right? I, have, I have heard this, but go ahead, it's a good one. Right, it's it's like so he's got this glass jar and he's got like three big rocks and he's got a bunch of pebbles and he's got a bunch of sand. They're like, hey, you know, come up and 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 fit all this stuff in the jar. And if you put the sand and the pebbles in first, then the rocks won't fit. And the whole point of it is that you got to put the big rocks first because those are the most important things. So the big rocks might be your family, right? It might be um in the it might be your particular situation in in your job like the team that's around you right it might be your emotional well-being whatever those might be and those got to go in first and then everything else fills around that um yeah. so that that was the kind of the theory of the big rock so that's that's know. good man i like you know what i think about when i think of big rocks i mean what i heard you say in when we talk about routines is intent and purpose mm-hmm. and sometimes when i think about big rocks Sometimes those big rocks, at least from a coaching perspective, when I was coaching was dealing with the player that I don't like or dealing Mm. with the tough player that you know you need, but they're tough. And for me, if I didn't deal with them first, if I didn't go seek them out first, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to catch them later in the day when I feel like it per se. I found myself not engaging that player at the level that I should have. And, And my assumption is sometimes I'm sure we have at least at ReliQuest, tough calls we need to make. There's a tough customer. There's, you know, a, a maybe a hard conversation we have to have. That would be a big rock. And, and research supports this, that those are the things that you should do first. Yep. When you have your most bandwidth, uh, you know, your your willpower is at its highest, your attention's at its greatest. And so, anyway, I just wanted to highlight that in regards to like, sometimes we think big rock, it's like, again, there's like life and then there's also professional, but but big rocks can also be those, those tough things and it's like hey we need to do those tough things first so we can knock those out and then you know go tackle the rest of our day hey thanks for tuning in to part one of this three-part episode with new york mets mental performance coach josh lifrak 
In part two next week, we'll talk about the strategies that the Chicago Cubs used to shift their mindset, to see themselves as champions before they ever became champions, and why we all should eliminate try, should, would, and could. Make it a great day.